Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. I'm Justin Poulin. As always with me today is John Duke. And we have a special guest today that's going to be joining us as we lament the impending end of the Celtics season and look so forward to an <laughs> offseason with a fresh new start. For those of you who have been listening for a long time, you may remember in the early days of Celtic Stuff Live, the dad head would call into the show. And today, I introduce to you the son head, (laughs) 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 who turned 18 in April, is headed off to the University of Southern Maine for college this coming year, and who was just a youngster when this show (laughs) was uh was brought about like and when i say youngster i mean like two years old so yeah riley pool and bickford my boy welcome to the show hey, thanks for having me so uh john i'm just yeah. gonna go ahead and, and lead into this a little bit <laughs> and we can talk about the game but you and i have talked about it a little bit on the show mm-hmm. and definitely a lot off the show you know but riley and i have been having that debate of Tatum and Brown that's been going on, manufactured by the media oh, all boy, season yeah. long. And the two of us have been hammering away. Every time Tatum has a big game, I got to get a text <laughs> message from him. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then every time, you know, Brown, like, is there while Tatum is out, you know, it goes the other way. So uh, that's what's been going on. So am I getting in the middle of some sort of family squabble here? No, that, no, no, that, no. Okay, no. all right. I just got to be sure here that we're <laughs> – I don't know. Do you want oh, us? No. Do you want to help us yeah. settle the debate? <laughs> well, look, I, I, I don't think. I, I think I, it's been well established that, uh, uh, and, and I think, I think Riley would agree. Uh, the last two games have done nothing but support uh, the point of view that uh, your your youngest, your, your your son here is wise beyond his years and uh, clearly knows more than his old man. Oh, that's crazy. I knew where this show was going to go, and yet I subjected myself anyway. And what the listeners don't know is I just got my ass handed to me by Riley in a game of online Madden. So, uh, oh, the emotions are fresh. I'm ripe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, no better way, though. We're about to talk about Kyrie, right? Got to have him fresh. Uh, Speaking of fresh emotions. Yeah. All right. Let's (laughs) let's go there. Did you see the video of him stomping on the Leprechaun's head after the Game 4 win? No, I mean, like, if you're – I don't know, man. I just, like, T.O. had the balls to do that before the game. I'm just saying. Like, I don't know. It's rubbing me the wrong way. Like, Durant, you could see – I don't know if you guys saw it, but he was talking to the bench, like, every time over somebody shooting over him just like John at the bench like that like what are you gonna do he's Kevin Durant but for Kyrie to do that after I don't know man that's just, I think so. Kyrie's lucky he didn't have Kemba Walker guarding guarding him the team has yeah. just been John dealing with the injuries is just so difficult not to have Rob or Kemba I mean it's one thing to go into this knowing that you're not gonna have uh Jalen Brown but to watch the Nets just sort of boastfully winning game four when we're as injured as we've been yet again for the last four years, it's frustrating. I it's it is very frustrating. <laughs> and and I think I think that's probably what's what's 
causing a lot of this. I mean, the bottle throwing, which was stupid. I mean, come on. There's no, there's no, there's no way that you're defending that or that you're like, oh man, this is, uh, you know, this is a good thing. I, I think they're, you know, t- but people are trying to conflate them. You know, they're trying to say, well, if this is like, that's not really what's going on here. It's not about putting those two things together. But I think what what I see a lot of is people trying to ignore what Kyrie is doing to, uh, you know, to somehow say, well, you know, yeah, but the bottle flipping. But, but it's like, well, yeah, but but isn't. You know, can't both things be bad? Can't you yes. actually say that, like, yeah, hey, here's an idea. Don't don't cause a, a crime, one, fans, and two, have a little class, Kyrie. I think it's I think it's a thing. Do I think we, you know we lock him up over it? No, but there's a lot of people that I see on Twitter, and and they're kind of and and they're you know on the younger side. So Riley, you're going to have to speak up for the younger generation (laughs) here. And because your dad and I are old men in here and all this, but it's like, to me, it feels like, I know they say like stamp on the logo is no big deal or whatever. I think it's a, I think it's a deal. If it wasn't a big deal, why would he do it? Right. There's value in that for him. And, uh, you know, I just think it's kind of nuts, but what, what do you think? Well, the timing of the way he does it, I think, is is really the piece that's it's like, oh, off to Brooklyn. Now I'm going to stamp on stomp on the logo. You know, it's like, I don't know if he really wanted to make like a statement statement. I feel like he would have done it before the game. Um, But it definitely is 100 percent disrespectful. And he's just instigating that, you know, Um, obviously that doesn't justify any bottle throwing or any kind of assault like that to anybody but yeah he's definitely he knows what he's doing there for sure and Um, he's instigating he's instigating instigating. what happened to keeping it about basketball right wasn't that the point keep it about basketball what happened to that whoops he's just he talks out of both sides of his mouth he always has and that's why he's unlikable and you know that's it's pretty easy to see um he is he, he if i were to give him you know, sort of like a, just like a one-line description, it would be he's just a narrative of convenience. That's yes. his whole life. He's a narrative of convenience. Whatever is convenient for him and his perspective on the world, that's the narrative he's going to tell. And oh, yeah. uh, it, it's why Jalen Brown absolutely body slammed him, even though he said he wasn't directing it at Kyrie. He was. And what I love about Jalen Brown's, you know, and this I'm obviously referring to the to the kind of back and forth about, you know, Boston being a racist city and whatnot. And I lo- I just love the way that that Jalen handled that. But I'll even go back to last season when everybody was talking about shutting down the playoffs and Jalen was calling calling him out and saying, look, if if you're gonna go and you're gonna go make a difference, then by all means let's call the season and go to work. But if you're all gonna call the season and then go sit at home and do nothing about it that's ridiculous. And so Jalen raises the bar and I and I think he did a great job of handling, you know, Kyrie deflecting and again creating that narrative of convenience. Um so I it's it's he's a hard player not to look at and just think this guy is, you know, a double standard machine. 
and, yeah. and, and, and we haven't, we haven't met, we haven't recorded since, since Jalen's comments, but also I just want to say, Riley, did you notice how he turned it automatically back to Jalen again? I'm just saying, I've seen yeah. what's behind the, the mask I see, here. But. No, but in this though, in this though, I mean, that's the one thing though I, I do love. Um, and this was something I was really interested to see just in the series because, you know, Kemba had a horrendous couple of games there. Um, so for him to be on the bench, I was curious if, you know, obviously they didn't get the offensive production they needed, but just to see, because I love Jalen, like, as a person and as a player. I, it's not a knock on him. I just feel like every year we do this thing where it's like, oh, Jalen's better than Tatum, and Tatum kind of gets out the gate slow, but then he, you know, he starts picking it up. We saw it in February of the 2020 season, and now this year, I mean, four 50-point uh, games and 22 total games. Like, he's just going to another level once it once the playoffs come. So, I don't know. It's it's up there. But I do agree with, with Jalen. I think he's very insightful. I think the big thing there is deflecting with Kyrie. I think – I don't remember for sure, but at the start of the season, I want to say he was, like, talking about how everybody needs to be real mature and, like, not go through – any partying and like, yeah, I think it was a question in response to Harden going to strip clubs and whatever. But, um, then he goes and hangs out with his sister on his birthday and misses a game. So yeah, it always has been about Kyrie saying something where you're like, that's not wrong. But then his actions are totally not representative of what he's saying to the media. So, and then he doesn't speak to the media at all sometimes. So who knows? I don't know. Kyrie is a mess. That's what it is. <laughs> I you know and and I think it's great that that uh, I mean I, I from what I everything I understand what 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 Kyrie does he does put his money where his mouth is in terms of being involved in causes or what have you but what he did in this instance um, and and he sort of walked it back a little bit in the post game after game four not really but he 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 didn't really paint with the same broad brush um I, hopefully he learned a little bit from what Jalen had said but that's mm -hmm. see that's the difference to me is like Jalen's looking for answers Jalen's looking to 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 do something other than uh simply point out a problem and then stand back um, right. it it works great for first take it works great for twitter it works great for for that sort of um world that has is feasting on the bottle throwing incident uh, but it really doesn't advance the cause to do the things that really impact people's lives, which is what Jalen really rightly highlighted and also <laughs> rightly said, look, there's more work to do. We can say we're everyone's not racist, but oh, by the way, maybe we should be doing more about inequality in schools. And, about, you know, I mean, that that's that's a tangible yeah. thing that that will change uh, our cultures and and the fact that. You know, and, I, and I'll give him credit. He had two days to think about that where Kyrie's just <laughs> yeah. something. But yeah. still, the fact that Kyrie's so casual with saying something like that in that sort of environment, um, well, let's assume he doesn't have it some sort of uh, – he didn't have it built out that he was trying to effectively inoculate himself away um, from right. the Boston fans going at him. Um, if I just give him that much credit, uh, you, you know, it, it just – you. <laughs> I don't think he cares about being careful, but, you know, I think um, kind of in a way, shame on him for just simply throwing things around and, and, and yeah. not really um, being ready to 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 deal with what that is. Um, yeah. I, I just 
Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, Jalen, Jalen, Jalen stepping up. I mean, he, he has that voice that, that Jason is never going to have. That's just not him. Um, and I love the yin and yang of that. I think that's great for, for this team and this franchise and the city. I just wish yeah. we were. I, I just wish we were we were going back to Brooklyn, you know, tied up to two. That's oh, there's nothing wow. we can really do about that. You can't point. give up wide open layups to James Harden for an entire quarter. So that's, <laughs> it is what it is. That was brutal, brutal. I mean, Thompson had a great game three, but I just you knew they were going to make adjustments coming in game four. You would have liked to see at least some sort of. I mean, once you start giving up one or two of them, you're like, all right, you got to pull him and put Grant in there or something. Yeah. I know Rob's not there and you don't really have any rim protection, but I don't know. <laughs> what, yeah, what 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 did you think about the Grant Williams? I, I thought Grant was was sneakily uh, a really, really, really important piece of, of trying to make that last night, you know, game four competitive. What? I don't know how, how your general feelings about Grant. People do have strong feelings about him, but I thought he was. I thought <laughs> he was not really important. Piece. The most coordinated individual on the fast break, I think, is the main thing. I don't know, man. Tatum just sails it right over his head. Then the one where he had the get Harden on him, and he like he it looked like he was just gonna go up and dunk it, but he like bounced it. I don't even know. It was like all the way in. He bounced it out. I don't know. It's just like stuff like that. I think. Casual fans are gonna look at that and just lose their minds. But yeah. I don't know. I don't hate Grant. I I like. Someone said something one time though that made me laugh, and it's like, what is it exactly that Grant Williams does like exceptionally well? And I had to think about that one for a minute. It's like, I don't know. He's not. He's just not big enough. They don't have anybody that's like big enough to like contest Durant enough to bother him, other than Williams did. Uh, it's just yeah, rough. the Williams injury was a huge loss. And it it made them uh, – it really diminished their ability to play solid defense. I mean, you yeah. know, Fournier is a downgrade from Jalen Brown, but you could survive it maybe with Rob. Um, you look what he did in game one. It was so huge for yeah. this team. And they just – that's the one thing that they need. There's plenty of length and athleticism. You know, obviously with Brooklyn, I think the one thing I I liked about last night's game, even in a loss, is I feel like and and Grant to some degree is still part of this, but I feel like they committed to ball movement, and mm-hmm. I and I really in game three just loved the entry pass. You know, they'd get it at the top, and then they would quickly make that pass right to the middle of the floor. You know, a little bit. Yeah couple of steps in from the top of the key and then they'd go right up with it and I think that was a difference maker it's just that they've survived game three performances by KD and and uh, and Harden with Tatum's huge night but to do that two days in a row and for KD to be even stronger in the second game and and the officiating is still frustrating for me just to watch yeah really at home, it's no excuse, but I will say that after the officials made it easy for Brooklyn to get hot, they stayed hot. I mean, yeah, it, wasn't, free it wasn't that they continued the fouling. Yeah, it, but, but, he, but here's the other thing. The way that they were grabbing the Celtics, you know, and, and, if, and I love the videos of Durant 
you know, basically throwing forearm shivers to Tatum and running over Marcus Smart. Do you know the league reviewed that and said neither of those were fouls? That's yeah, he poked him in the eye and they got the ball back. In what was that game two? Yeah, they poked Tatum in the eye and he like fell over and I was like, oh, like okay. And then we go to the break, come back, and the Nets have the ball. <laughs> I'm all about physical play in the postseason and. I'm a proponent of it, but it's got to go two ways. You can't call every touch foul on the Celtics and then allow them to be mugged by a team that I mean, absolutely sucks one on defense. I mean, they're it was horrendous. The same possession, like KD elbows yeah. Tatum in the face and then gets the ticky tack foul called on him. I mean, like, what do you I do? Feel like what I, do you do there? There are Tatum's times where I feel like this is the WWE days when <laughs> yeah. Hulk Hogan was the star, but there was like legitimate debates for those of us under 20 years of age that 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 was real, right? No, no, wrestling's real, and I feel like there are times when I watch these games and I feel like we're in that era because you know they love to manufacture the drama. At the same time, you know. Tatum does have to stop looking for a call every single time because they're gonna they're gonna keep not giving him the star treatment. But if there was somebody who did get I mean, foul balls yeah. in Game Four, it was Tatum. I feel like they did adjust and start. Oh, yeah. It's just the rest of the team didn't get anything. Yeah. And, Tatum can't and, so get a foul drawn every possession, and it, right. that's the thing. That's like a big knock he's on him. Up. Yeah, he's yeah. got to keep that up. And and if if he's gonna be so intense, right? Like you can't get a tech on you. Like, be intense in the game. Like, how many times do we see him passive? Like, I understand that they're doubling and guys aren't hitting the shots in the second quarter, but to to score, what, 14 in the first quarter and then uh, nothing in the second? Like, I, again, I get it. They're denying him the ball and, and whatever, but, yeah, you got to make him pay on the double teams. That is one thing he needs to work on as a facilitator because that's a pretty easy thing when Fournier's having an off night and Kemba's not even there. Obviously, Jalen's out. Like, where do you get your offense? Marcus Smart isn't going to... We knew we got everything we were getting offensively out of Marcus Smart in game three, that there was not going to be a repeat performance of otherworldly shooting uh, in a second game. Here's one thing you texted me. So that's exactly where I was going. And, John, I'm going to let you kind of take this one with Riley, but he texted during the game last night. He's like, what are we talking about here with, like, Ojale getting minutes? Like, Neesmith has proven to have ice in his veins for the postseason. He deserves every minute he stays out of foul trouble. Yep. For sure. So, I mean, that was uh, (laughs) – I I was surprised to see Ojale in that first half. I thought, okay, we've learned here. We know it's not working. Let's stay away from it, you know. Um, we're down, we're already down Kemba and we're down <laughs> Rob Williams, let alone Jalen. Like this is, this is a time for the rookies to, to cut their teeth, uh, or second year players, uh, to cut their teeth and get some real playoff experience, try to build something out of this and then be ready for the next, you know, be ready. You know, if you do well with it, great. If not, so what? And then, you know, you throw Ojale out there, and those are the worst. I think that's really where the wheels came off is during those yep. Ojale minutes. Um, and, and, look, I think Ojale, he's a good guy, and, you know, he's he's worked hard, but it's just not happening for him here, you know. And so I, I'm – yeah, I agree. I'm like, this is this is D. Smith time, Romeo time, um, Grant time. Uh, you know, this is – this is what this is about at this point. The Celtics need to find out what they got with that 2019 draft class. They're going to get more to the 2020 draft class. That's what the whole deal is. About. 
about now? And I know it's hard for probably if you're coaching, you're in the middle of it, you're looking for answers. I'm sure that's probably Brad is, is just, you know, searching and searching and searching. But I'm sitting there and I'm saying they need – this is about – for them to ever get on Brooklyn's level – it's not going to be Shemi Ojale who's going to be a part of that solution. It's <laughs> no. going to be Neat Smith and Romeo. Yeah, take that leap. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's the same thing. Like we saw it all season with the lineups and the inconsistency. With especially, it's just been atrocious with Neat Smith and Langford's minutes. I mean, you just like with guys like that, you just got to play them. And for Semi to have minutes consistent uh, consistently in in this season. It's just like, how, like, when is he going to develop into a production player? And, like, with Parker, I understand Parker getting minutes because he's mm-hmm. long. And, like, he can at least contest Durant's shots. Like, we saw that a lot in game one. They almost stole that because, they, yeah, Brooklyn didn't hit a three basically until the second half. So I get it. But, like, there's nothing that Semi gives you in any of those minutes that Neesmith or Langford or, or anybody else off the bench, like the playoffs, you need to have that tight rotation just to give guys rhythm and confidence playing semi five minutes and then not playing them again. And yeah, that is where you lose the game. Really? I mean, you take the second quarter out, it's a one point game, you know, they're competitive in the fourth and it gets worse in the third, but you know, you, you really, you needed that scoring when Tatum's off the court you need to surround Tatum with shooters. So mm-hmm. semi being there, just it's not. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and and to go further with that, I thought I thought both Romeo and Neesmith, Neesmith not so much there in that end of the first quarter stint, but but certainly in the second half. Yeah, uh, I, I thought both of them played really well last night, and I thought, you know, that's the that's the thing about a game like last night, like absolutely dispiriting, and it's it's tough to see him lose like that, and you know, I mean, hey, we. I get all that, but I'll tell you what. I mean, walking out of last night's game, I mean, you if given all the things that we're facing right now, you walk out of out of the game four and you say, "Hmm, Grant might be able to play. Neesmith yeah. can play. Romeo did some good things out there." You know, if you're taking those three things out of that game, and oh, by the way, Jason Tatum is a cheat code. Uh, I mean. You take if those are the things that you can take out of last night's game, I'm good. Like that, that's shut the season down right now. Get them, get those boys to summer league. Let them play and have fun and, and work on their offensive game so they can do more. But like to me, like that's all I need to see from this playoff. A little bit of confidence for those guys in the toughest setting possible and build on that for the too. 22 season. Just the With, energy. Sorry, you can go. Yeah, no, that's bingo. Yeah, talk about that. Like, what? Seriously, oh what my god! Right? I mean, nineteen to four last game, and that's you're down two zero. Every single part of you, and and that's what I expected out of that team. I was watching the game, and I was like, all right, they're quitting. It's done. It's over. Mm-hmm. Sweep them up. Like, but for them to go into that timeout and come out of it. Thompson had energy, like, just going all through game three. You claw your way back in it in the first quarter. Like, that's energy. Like, we hadn't seen that from this team all year. They play this way. You know, they're not a 500 team, and maybe you don't play the Nets in the first round. But, yeah, just to see them have energy when it really matters. And they didn't quit really in this game either. It never felt like, even though they're down, what, 27 at one point, you knew they weren't going to win, but... You know, they didn't give up, and 
I don't know. It's inspiring from them to see that. And the standard is pretty low considering how atrocious <laughs> their effort has been all season. But, you know, still, bright spot. But isn't hey. that what they have to build on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing. If we just – that and I were talking about the fact, like, on on – you know, I was so frustrated after game two. Like I was, this is, yeah. it's, a, it's a hard issue. It's not a talent issue. And I think everything we've seen over the last two games proves that to be right. It, this isn't about the fact that they don't have enough talent on the roster. That's young talent, t- talent that maybe isn't ready to, to produce or whatever on, mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. But clearly these guys have talent. And we, and we saw that the last two games. It was, it was a heart issue. And, and it's something that, uh, you know, when they bring the full extent of what they can, yeah, they're probably still going to fall short because talent is ultimately the, the decider in the NBA. But but what a difference in terms of where they can go as players and where the franchise can go and all that. You can't tell anything by a team that lies down other than maybe you don't want any of those guys. Right. Yeah. And that's where being, you know, having Jalen in this series would have been so huge because, you know, it's it's just hard having Tatum be your best player, but he's he's just in his own he's in his own zone. He's not a vocal leader, and that's kind of why Kemba goes underrated in a game like this, where he's out there and he's vocal. And a lot of people make fun of him, you know, like uh, you know he's they're they're down and they're losing, and Kemba's just chilling and smiling. But see, like that kind of energy is really helpful and it's not worth you know thirty five million dollars a year. But like you know it, mm-hmm. it's he needs to be a good offensive player but you know i mean it would be huge and they're not going to but it would be huge if they just bring it back to boston for game six and kemba like that would be so because like (laughs) we shouldn't even talk about it because it's not no because you're just killing yourself right now (laughs) no but just the energy of the crowd let's hold hold that thought real quick I almost feel like I could let you do the ad read you're doing so well, Riley. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. And and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action right now. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I had to cut in there because I knew the next topic was going to be the fans, and this could be a 20-minute topic. So tie that right into coming back home. And, yeah, you're getting your hopes up. But let's – hey, it's not officially over. So let's go ahead and dream a little bit. There's tons of time to talk about the draft. There's all kinds of weeks of podcasting. (laughs) You keep saying that, man. But But the fans were amazing. How loud they? And – that's that's the X factor that's been missing, especially for a young group that sometimes is inconsistent and is struggling to find the energy to make those extra plays. Uh, I am expecting much better things 
with I don't know that I can expect a healthy team anymore. Maybe I'm maybe that's <laughs> as much wishful thinking as coming home for game six. But but yeah. go ahead and paint that picture, Riley. Oh, man. No, I mean, we like Kyrie Irving got the ball and that was game three and just booze. Well, he held it like the fan and that was five thousand. And then you triple it and more like. Yeah. And I think. I don't know. I it's weird for guys like Romeo and Neesmith who don't have that playoff experience per se um, with full fans in attendance. But for guys like Tatum, you know, that, that's huge. And you can see how just the Boston fans, uh, they went insane. And I think Tatum has like a third gear that he goes to that's kind of activated by that. Because, you know, you haven't really seen a big performance from him like that on the road. Like, I would say almost all of his performances that he's had this year, at least all the ones that were career high worthy, were all at home. And so the Garden does wonders for him, for sure. Um, and part of that might just be his son being in attendance. And there's that piece, too. But the fans, you could tell, like, Thompson and Smart, like, when Smart got hit on that four point play and he kind of just laid there. You just saw like all the emotion, the garden just went nuts. It was, it was awesome to watch is, <laughs> but like that, you know, you almost just like, you look at Thompson in game four and you're like, what happened? You know, cause he was playing with all that energy. So I don't know. The fans are definitely a factor, but you wish, you know, you wish you could get more out of Thompson, but I don't know. And that's made adjustments. It is what it is. Yeah, and I, I I think you're right. I mean, the, the fans. I mean, and that's and that's a. I think that's a time tested thing too. That you know, young players play better at home than they play on the road. They play, you know, they they play with more energy and and aggression. Um, they use that fuel. Uh, it's usually when they get older that they you know they figure out how to tune that out or or maybe they, it toughens them up to be able to to take that and, and, and take that energy and use it against the crowd as opposed to needing you know, that kind of positive reinforcement. So I think, I mean, I think that's, that's true. It's true now. And it's, and I think it's been true for a bit. And, and that's, that's why, you know, I think partly we see those young guys really stepping up with the, that energy in the arena. I mean, I think it, it did help push them. Uh, I, you know, I think they, <laughs> that game probably could have been a, a 50 point blowout, you know, honestly, yeah, exactly. if they, if they brought the energy they brought in game two, that would have been a 50-point blowout, you know? They would have been booed. Everybody yeah. would have ignored Kyrie. And that's the exactly. thing about Boston, though. We re- they reward that competitive energy, but they also bring it out of you. And yes. I think that's what we're seeing in the playoffs is, like, if you have full attendance all season, maybe you're not a 500 team. I don't know. Right. No, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you, there, that's something that's about this crowd – uh, in, in our in this city that that always they're able to do you know they're able to get more out of these teams and I, I don't know that that's um, you know I don't think that's just a Boston thing but I think oh, the yeah. passion the passion here I think steps that up to another level and you know I I'm you know basically Kyrie Irving kind of called them all racist. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's certainly that, that's just, you know, throwing gasoline on a fire at that point. Um, 
and, and it's and it's crazy. And as we said earlier, Jalen kind of put it well. Or, you know, yes, there's problems. Yes, there's things we got to work on. But to talk about racism, you know, bad behavior doesn't equal racism. Essentially, racism equal bad behavior. in the context of a personal well, agenda, behavior, that's a different. I mean, I right. that, but Which that was worse. The, yeah, but that was the piece that Jalen brought out was right. to talk about it in the context of a personal agenda. You know, basically saying. Yes. Your intentions are not genuine, mm-hmm. and intent is everything, and your intent is not proper, and it's distracting. I mean, I know he, we said he's deflecting, but but Jalen's literally saying you're you're diminishing the value of the message mm-hmm. when you are using it for personal gain. That's and that's and and he also did so like a pro. You know, he didn't just fire you know generalities. He was he was general in the fact that he didn't attack Kyrie, you know, directly, but he was specific uh, in what he felt was improper, you know, Mm -hmm. and he was I mean, seriously, he was he was a pro and so solid on message and intent with his communication. This is the thing that I found myself struggling to figure out when he was delivering that was did he prepare something because it seemed it seemed like that was just flowing from his mind, and I'm sure there were some key elements that he prepared, but he was so smooth in the way that he delivered it. I almost, it almost felt like it was just coming off the cuff and from his heart, and and not so much that Jalen had a prepared response. You know how like sometimes you get the prepared responses, and yeah, they put it into their own words, but it's pretty clear that they're following a script. Nothing about <laughs> yeah. the way, the, nothing about the way that Jalen w- was. Answering that question sounded scripted to me. Yeah, there's no teleprompt on that one. He's definitely going off the noggin. I don't know. Speaking think... of no teleprompt, though, <laughs> what about Tristan Thompson about his comments on spitting? Yeah, who <laughs> I even dare knows, you? Man. I dare you to spit on me. I will follow you home. <laughs> well, I think the I think any any you know ordinary citizen could drive right by him so who knows man uh, sorry I, I shouldn't say that i don't know man i love tristan i love him to death but like i mean i don't know it was it was brutal that was so bad yeah i can't yeah. watch that if we his energy is at least good though like he was it's, it's inspiring for game three yeah it's for game three game three is the highlight you see he's definitely like you can talk about offensive rebounds but who cares? And sometimes he doesn't even convert on him. But who cares if you grab an offensive rebound and put back a two and then, you know, you're not defensively sound. So you're just going to keep giving up open threes. It, it's not worth it. You got to go grant there for defense. But Yeah. Well, especially against this team, too. Like, I yeah. think it does bring in, you know, people want to say, well, it's about roster construction and all that. Like, look, yeah, absolutely. Like, they should. Yeah, you know, they got to look at that center position in the off season. They, they they need one more guy. But look at the Lakers right now. The guy who's the sixth man of the year last year, Montrez Harrell, is like their like fifth center, and he's at the bottom of the bench at this point for them. You know, I mean, this is this is a different world. And so, you know, the idea of you, you can't just go out and buy a center that's going to fit. Like you got to think about when you get to this situation of the season, who can stay on the floor and who can't. And, you know, Grant Williams' value goes up, up, up the later you seem to go in the playoffs. And and meanwhile, you know, Tristan 
great game three, not great game four. You know, like you got to pick your spots, I guess, um, and, and try to use them where you can. But it's it's kind of interesting because it's it's just yet another situation where the big guys are. It's really hard to figure out the big guy situation here in 2021. Yeah, um, I was. This is kind of off topic, but um, I noticed. And this might have just been me. Fournier did not play like at all in the second half. Like I don't know, was that like a defensive adjustment by Brad or? Oh, that's I don't true. Know. Yeah, I don't remember seeing him that much in the second at half. At all? Was he? He wasn't in foul trouble, was he? I I don't know. I just was like, I thought about it in the fourth quarter, and I was like, Neesmith has been out here for like twelve straight minutes. <laughs> Where's yeah. yeah? He's still and got twenty seven minutes, but. I, yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find, you well, know, played the 37 on that in, in game three. Yeah. I mean, he had some huge shots in game three, too. I mean, you could let him back in it, but Fournier at, off the pass from Tatum in the corner, that was that was huge shot. So, I don't know, he wasn't having a great night, but it's just, I mean, you never see Brad, like, intentionally pull a guy because he's having a rough shooting. Nine night. minutes. You keep him out there. Nine minutes in the second half, he went yeah. two, for, two for five, missed one shot from three, had one free throw, two personal fouls, a minus 11. Although, minus 11 was tied for the worst with Tristan Thompson, ironically. Yeah. In the second half. These are second yeah. half. I mean, to, to our point earlier, though, if you want to build up those rookies, this is how you do it, right? I mean, you got to get them, you got to get them out there. So, I suppose that's exactly what we want in, in some case, um, you know. But it seems weird that nine minutes in the second half seems like an an odd number well, unless you're already throwing it well, in the towel. Like, with Neesmith, with Neesmith at 17 minutes, Peyton Pritchard at 14, and Jabari Parker at eight seconds shy of 14. You know, yeah. Jabari shot three for four. Um, eight points. He was a plus eight while he was on the floor. Uh, you know, obviously he didn't shoot any three pointers. What do you guys think about Jabari? I mean, I know we got him on a two year deal. Do you think he's going to have a significantly bigger impact next year with some practices and yes. just kind of coming in with everybody else? Do you think he's going to play a larger role? A practice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. A, a practice, a practice at all. It's crazy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, absolutely. That seems overstating it. I think Jabari has not been, he's been a victim of, of circumstance. He's been a victim of, of injury. He's been a victim of, of a whole bunch of things. Uh, you know, his lateral foot speed has never been great, but if he can, you know, get in a good system, find a place that can, you know, amplify his strengths, minimize his weaknesses, and who does that better than Brad Stevens? Um, then, you know, I think he, I think this is a perfect place for him, honestly. I really do. Can he be laterally quick enough to defend fours? I think he can, uh, but it's going to take a lot of work in the lab this summer, I think. But, I yeah, I'm, look, Jabari's a Duke guy, so <laughs> you know I'm I'm interested there. He's he's non guaranteed next year uh, in the amount of of, of two million dollars, two point two million, which is a pretty hefty amount um, for a guy. 
So uh, I don't know what his guarantee date is, which would be interesting because that obviously um, might indicate how far along he stays or not. But he's the type of player that you and I were talking about, Justin, that they need uh, over the long term. You know, I think this is this is a good instance here to look at this, right? Because he's a guy, he's a veteran. Um, I'd like to have someone who's maybe a little more established or accomplished, I should say. Uh, but this is what we're talking about. You sign low—that's a little high money to me—but you you, call, you sign low-cost guys, you bring them in. You sometimes play them ahead of the rookies, sometimes not. But they're on the roster to build up and support the development of the Neesmiths and the Romeos and the Grants. That's that's what they've got to do as they go into the 22 season. I know you don't want to talk about roster construction, but I'm just saying like that's that's the model. Is they need more guys who are maybe a little bit better than, than Jabari, but but are of that ilk to say, look, they're. They, they shouldn't be playing ahead of these rookies. We're going to be upset about that. But we can't have Tremont Waters and Carson Edwards and Gotta Love You, Taco Fall, and Shemi Ojales. Those guys out, established NBA veterans in. And and then then I think you have the mix that you need for 22. Yeah. I don't know. Well, because, like, if you look at guys like Grant and Parker – especially with the way that, you know, you look at the modern NBA and, and floor spacing. And those guys can space the floor, but I just don't like I just don't like them as as fours. Like I think you gotta run them as small ball centers. And defensive questions aside, like you know, because think about what you could do instead. Like the benefit of them spacing the floor is like the benefit they have over Thompson but not over, like, another wing player you could That's have. Right. Like, you would never want to play yeah. them over Neesmith because Neesmith's a better shooter. And, you know, if Thompson is your five, then you're not really a defensive unit anyway. So their potential there is definitely <laughs> as, as the five. Well, no, because, like, if is you're going to Twitter handle, in, are you going to change, you're going to make a Twitter handle Tristan Thompson's biggest fan? <laughs> yeah, I could. Jeez. I could. No, no, I, I do. I love his energy, but that's a bench guy. Like, you know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. you need, because how successful no, were they sure. when they he's had, like, back. like a Marcus Morris or, like, even Gordon Hayward was, like, that veteran. And, and Marcus Morris, for some time, was, like, their second-best player. Like, yep. seriously, he was really good. Yep. And so that takes, obviously, a scoring load. That was why we were probably talking about, like, Harrison Barnes trying to acquire him at the deadline. Right. But hear me out here. I would, And I do love Thompson. He's just not a starting center. He's definitely an energy guy off the bench, and he's very good at that. We saw how well – that was part of the thing. Like, starting Rob – some of the improvements you saw were also having the ability to bench Tristan, and he is great off the bench there, and that's his role. The problem is you don't have anyone really better than him, like definitively. But what if you put like a lineup together, and we have no idea, right, if Kemba's going to play or not on game uh, game five or, or yeah, we, Tuesday. Yeah, I don't know what Tuesday. Yep. There we go. We'll yep. just. We'll say we'll say he does, right? But what if you run like a lineup of like Kemba, Smart, and then either Langford or Neesmith, probably Langford because that's who Brad would rather go to. I don't know why that. That's probably Tatum. what Brad's gonna do, but I don't know why it's not Neesmith. 
I really don't. Lots of energy is what they need in that starting lineup. That's what you were talking about with Rob. Why wouldn't Neesmith and his energy be with that first unit? Because that's one thing they did right yeah. in game four is they but came if, out the right level of energy for once. Yes, but if you start now, this is where you're really going to make fun of me for the Thompson thing. But what if you start Parker or start Grant and have Thompson have the bench? Like, Does that make it any better? I just feel like you got to change something. It doesn't make it any worse. It doesn't make it any worse. And I can't get much worse. And I like the Parker move on that because, you know, defensively, I think he's solid and he can get some inside out game going. And, and, and if you started Neesmith, you get more floor spacing and shooting as well. You know, I agree. Mix it up. Because if you have, and here's the thing that we never see from Romeo, but I know he's capable is that ball handling. Like he could seriously be like, in the future, a primary ball handler off the bench. Like, you see what he did at Indiana. Like, that is something we need to see from him. And I know his they don't best moments, His best moments in that last game were when he dribbled to the inside and took some contact. Like, he got to the free throw line. Yeah. And that That's something we were always told about him. They even said, we're not even sure he's a shooter, right? He had the old paddle hand training course that he went through. and and But he actually wound up hitting a lot of big three-pointers, you know, before he got injured at the start of the postseason, you know, after in the, in the bubble. But uh, I, he, what we always heard was his moves to the rim and his ability to attack and his ability to take and finish after contact. contact. And I thought they're still underutilizing him in that regard. But that's not what this that's not what this lineup needs to get off to a hot start. What the lineup needs is outside shooting, like you said, spacing. It needs outside shooting to really create more atten- draw more attention away from Tatum. That's what it yeah. needs more than anything else. And it's disgusting to me that Neesmith hasn't earned his way into more primetime minutes right out of the Absolutely. gate. Because well, it's exactly what they true. need. He's earned it, right, but he's not yeah. getting it. And but, it's, it's such a clear and obvious need, and he has. And, yeah. it, and it's proven to have the confidence, and he wants the limelight. My biggest concern with him at the start of this year is he looked a little timid to me, and I didn't think that he necessarily was going to play up in the big game or have yep. the confidence for a while. I thought he was going to be timid. Turns out he's strong, and he's confident as hell. And you've got to yeah. feel confident hand, man. Yeah, game three. Holy. He took a three, like, I think his first shot. He just, like, total confidence there. And that's why, and I don't know if you keep on this, but I would say the two adjustments that you make, I didn't really say them, but you start Parker. And then I don't know if this works or not, but because of Fournier's defense, because you already are going to have to start Kemba. You have to. It's it's not a question. And I know they don't really want to bench Fournier, but I think if you run Fournier and Langford off the bench, and at this point we're just dreaming because Brad's not going to do this, but like that would be so good off the bench because you can see those guys work off of each other. And like Fournier, is, he is a good catch-and-shoot guy, but you see like in all of his big games, he also gets hot, but once he starts getting hot after he gets in his rhythm, then he starts creating his own shot. And when he creates his own shot and those start falling, that's when you can kind of suffer through those minutes without Tatum and, you know, don't go down. I like where you're going. Just getting that offense off the bench that they don't really have due to the injury factors. Yeah. So you but but you could put Neesmith in the starting lineup 
and, and get that spacing that. and the shooting and that helps Tatum exactly. be more effective and draw attention away. But then when you've got to put people when you've got to start subbing in, you can sub in some offense. I like that. Right. What do you, yeah. John, what's your take? Well, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I think that, uh, Riley, you talked about, you know, the ability to, to create um, with the ball in his hands um, from Langford. And to me, that's a, that, that is something that Danny Ainge has talked about and the Celtics, I think, desperately need. They just, they need more, playmakers. more playmakers. Oh yeah. I mean, without losing Hayward, that was that's probably the biggest issue to me that this team was glaring was the fact that there wasn't enough guys who knew and could create for other guys. Uh, I think we've seen Tatum kind of take another step in that direction with the, the double teams that Brooklyn's thrown at him, but yeah. but they need they need that creation in that second unit. I also think Peyton Pritchard. We haven't talked a lot about Peyton Pritchard. I think Peyton Pritchard also stands a, a place here where he can he can do some of that creation off ball. The, my only guess is the reason why you're not seeing Neesmith um, jump into that starting lineup as quickly is I think they want more scoring, and I think they're, the fear is that Romeo is still not a confident scorer. Um, I agree. Yeah. He needs to be more – he's got to be cutting more, you know, Justin. Everybody needs this. to be cutting. Man. They do. He needs. I mean, if he takes a page out of the Avery Bradley playbook, and yeah. and can the backdoor cut, the backdoor cut, and he did. <laughs> he's been doing a little bit of that. He had a putback. You know, like if he can follow yeah, that trend of using that way to kind of get his offensive game going, I think that he's going to have a lot more success than league. Um, than he might otherwise just rely on trying to build up his shot. You know, I, I think Trade he's him to the 76ers so he can achieve his full potential with Doc. <laughs> well, I think, uh... yeah, I mean, right. I mean, Tony Allen did that too. I mean, let's, you know, you could go back a little further, right? But, but I, yeah, I mean, I think that that's uh, finding roles for these guys. I mean, truthfully, we're probably talking about one game. <laughs> guys there's one yeah. game left well so, you got one you know, game you do that that's right that's, they're game five adjustments but but probably we're talking about you know beyond this and i think in terms of how you build a role for for romeo versus neesmith i really hope that i think neesmith slots definitely more easily next to um you know, a Tatum or a Brown or what have you. I mean, it's easy to see a guy who can shoot the ball like that, defend like he can. You can see it much more clearly. The question is how many spots are open in the starting lineup? Because then if you're looking beyond tomorrow's game and, and seeing where things are probably going, um, we're probably looking at a situation where, you know, Campbell Walker may have played his last game in Boston. And is, is – the, the conversation to me over the next month, six weeks, is can, can Marcus Smart be the full-time point guard of this team? Uh, or, you know, or do you have to bring in a point guard who can, who can do that? We've seen in places he's great at finding guys, but it's not, it hasn't been a natural. You got to bring in more offense. If you're going to do it, he's got to be out there with an offensive guard that isn't used to having the ball in their hands to initiate the offense. Mm -hmm. That's where it's disjointed with Kemba. If you brought in a natural off guard or even just rotated Brown, you know, over to the two, I mean, it would force Brown to get a little bit better with the ball handling. But I honestly, that's why 
even if even if Brown goes to the two, we still keep Tatum at the four. I know, John. I talk about how much I would prefer to have those guys at the two and the three. But even if you left, even if you left him and put Neesmith in at the three, or another said player or Fournier at the three, I just think what you need is somebody who is less ball handling and more off the ball, running screens, getting into their shot. It, the problem with 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 Marcus in that role today is he's either not centralized in the offense when Kemba's out there or he is, but the offense doesn't work that way with Kemba and they really need. And honestly, you know, it might not work that way with Brown either, but I think if they just have a true, like almost like a Devin Booker at the two, somebody, you know, that, that player at the two makes Marcus fit that starting lineup so much more better because he can focus on the defense and just getting the ball going and he can stay kinetic. The problem with like a Kemba ball handling guard is then Smart's going to turn that over and he's not very effective as soon as somebody else has the ball in their hands to initiate the offense. There's not much he's going to do with it after that. And then it takes him out of the energy that he provides offensively and defensively because he gets lost in the shuffle and all that guy wants to do. He's such a dog, dude. All he wants to do is run. He just wants to run. Just let me run guys. Let me run. Yeah. You know, and and you have to just, you have to feed that. And, And the best way to feed that is for him to initiate the offense. And then when they start setting up an ISO that starts to break down, he comes back out, gets it and makes a quick pass. And it's just going through him, but not relying oh, yeah. on the score. You see the start of the year with like all the production you're getting out of Jalen and Jason, and that's really because Kemba's not there, and you do have Smart as the primary ball handler, and he's getting them good looks. So, yeah, I, I, I think the the other we were talking about this a little bit in the last show too is is the fact that when you what you need for the next guy you add to this roster is is really important. You know, um, having the score is critical. You know, having somebody who can who can get the put the ball in the basket and take pressure off. If if you're subtracting Kemba, you know, what do you what do you need to add? You know, I think you need a ball mover. You need somebody who can who can put the ball in the basket. I think you need a guy with some size. So if you did put Marcus in that position to be the, the lead guard, again, his playmaking responsibilities are lessened. You know, but but you know maybe you're maybe you know that's putting a lot more on on Peyton Pritchard, or maybe you got to bring in somebody who's a bit more of a veteran guard, um, you know, to to be behind Pritchard. I, you know, I'm not sure. All I'm saying <laughs> is, you know, I think you're I think you're in a place now where, you know, the the end of of, of Kemba is near. I I think yeah. I think we're oh, at yeah. that place. You know, but- and so if you're taking out that 36 million dollars next year. And you're going to turn that into a 19 and a 17, or you're going to turn it into, you know, a nine and a and a and a 12, and then, you know, it's you're whatever you're, you're not. Yeah, the answer you're, you're is the same answer that it is for every team across the league. You need size and shooting. <laughs> Watch, right. rinse, repeat. You right. need size and shooting over and over, and that's that's what you need. Um, but, but they need, to be and connected. it needs to be veterans. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they they've got to find guys that are connected because that's that to me like that disconnection throughout the season was really 
uh, really, really, really a problem. And but they that, still have the veteran exceptions and all of that, which is what makes – and part of the reason I brought up Parker, it's what makes that signing so valuable because it didn't totally. eat away at their ability to add pieces this offseason. And, you know, they've got a lot of later draft picks and the benchies that they could easily just drop off this roster and do some significant depth upgrades without really – too many young kids. Too many young yeah. kids. And not enough that really have any long-term potential that you wouldn't say, okay, let's get healthy, let's get a little bit younger, and, and not super younger, but let's get into that 28, 29 veteran range if we move Kemba, and and maybe we're watering down the top-tier talent, but we're actually just creating space for others to emerge, and we're raising and what they need is diversity with that size and shooting. You know, they don't. They have a. They had a lot of ill-fitting rotations this year, and the minute they got injured, that's when it got exposed. And so they need a little versatility. They need size. They need shooting. And I need to go get a workout in on this Memorial Day. So with, <laughs> with that all being said, Riley, you killed it on your first appearance co-hosting here on Celtic Stuff Live, and I'm looking forward to you starting. You know that Twitter handle, Tristan Thompson's oh, biggest yeah. fan. Biggest fan. <laughs> I, I'm sure that already exists. We might have to throw some numbers and some uh, underscores in there, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get on it. That's great. I love it. Great job. Great job. I've, I, this was fun. Um, just like Tatum is oh, yeah. better than Brown, I think uh, the young. Oh, Pooler's we can have so <laughs> many conversations about that in the offseason. You guys need a you need a free one. We can talk about that for an hour. I love it. I love it. This, that's that is great August August CSL Banter. talk right there. Yeah, we're ready oh, for yeah. it. <laughs> you're definitely you're definitely come coming back. You held your own with this crowd. And the other thing that you did that I think that the audience is going to appreciate the most is you took what could have been an incredibly negative show and uh, brought some levity they've gotten enough negativity from john and i this year and uh, oh well you know you bring you bring me on like three weeks ago yeah the optimism isn't there no if they if they just play with energy it's that's it you, that's all you can ask you the guy you need that you're talking about really briefly uh the one that i would love doesn't exist you need a guy that can like go toe-to-toe, or at least slow down guys like Durant and Giannis. And I don't know there is a person like that. But you would love to play like Tatum at the three. Or even just, just, even just slow down Bruce Brown. What the hell? So, yeah, uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's the center. That's the center. We, yeah. yeah, tweeting on the, the Thompson fan handle. Um, but, yeah, no, it's been great. Now, you just brought yes. some levity and uh, a little bit of a change the, change of pace for the show. It was, it was nice. And uh, we'll definitely have you back. In the off season, I definitely want to hear from the folks on Twitter. If you're listening to this, you know, let us know if you want more uh, Sunhead Riley Poole and Bickford on the show, and uh, we'll make sure he comes back. Love to. We Riley would love a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. As a reminder, you can follow CSL on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow John at CSL underscore Duke. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. And then we are going to wait and see Riley maybe at – uh, Tristan Thompson's underscore biggest fan. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> We'd appreciate a rating and review because your feedback is important to the show. And on behalf 
of the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, who once met Riley and I with the film crew at a halftime game, I believe, against the Portland Trailblazers at the TD Garden several years ago that really led up to this moment today. Riley, you're headed off to USM. You're going to get a degree in sports management, minoring in communications. So you're, this is all very much up your alley. Um, it probably shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's been listening to CSL for the last 15 years where you're headed. But also on behalf of John, myself, and the Sunhead, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.